was three years ago this month, um, Edgerton Southern Baptist Church that was in this building, closed its doors. It had um, dwindled to about seven people. Um, their last service was, I think, three years ago this week. Is that right? I think that's right. And um, <laughs> here we go. I've got to introduce you to our matriarch, uh, Helen Ballard, who has worshipped here, I was corrected, not 34, 36 years in this building, and was one of the, before there's even a building, there is a picture of Helen, uh, like, turning over dirt in the, in, on this property. Um, we honor Helen in, in the things that she, she does and what she means, and the courage and the perseverance to think of yourself not as like like you were so unselfish in some of the things that you did and the things that you and it was amazing to me and um god has laid some stuff on her in the last few weeks i'm gonna let her tell you about that but we have a series now called we greater than me and there's nobody that exemplifies like seeing ourselves as part of a body of believers and part of a kingdom versus what like my relationship with jesus it's not just about that and helen exhibits that as much, if not more, than anybody I know. So please, please, please give it up for Helen Mama Ballard. In January, I was in the hospital for about six days. And uh, the first day, I didn't think I was going to make it, so I was okay with that. But then when I was still there the second day, I woke up about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was praying and uh, talking to the Lord and reading and I, uh, I asked him if you're not done with me now then uh, really show me something that I can do because of being I'm not going to say older I'm just a little wiser <laughs> uh, that he could still use me and so this, this came to me about uh, uh, older women being able to help the younger women with children that they need a break every once in a while and maybe like a couple of days a month uh, we could, the older women could take these little ones and uh, take care of them for... Uh, a day or whatever the mothers needed at that time and I told uh, I asked Lord if this is not what you want from me then shut the doors and this morning he showed me he has not shut the doors so evidently this is something that that we need to do here and it's not just for our church it's for in, uh, the city anybody that wants to use it uh, they put this stand up here because I was, <laughs> I, I couldn't keep it still. <laughs> but, uh, and that's, um, and then we can throw in when they don't realize a little bit about discipleship and this kind of stuff and just sneak stuff in there that they don't know they're getting. <laughs> and uh, so, like I said before, I have no idea when I'm going to start or anything, but that will mainly depend on you 
if you want the service, or, and um, then in, um, I, I intended to go up to uh, the senior dinner up there on the, whenever it is, third Wednesday of the month, <laughs> and see if there's any of those ladies that would be interested too. And so that's where I'm at. And uh, it looks like that's where the Lord wants me right now. <laughs> ah, thank you, Mama Helen. That is amazing. That is amazing. You know, we are uh, we're blessed, guys, as a church uh, to have uh, wise folks in our church. They're not older, just wiser. It's amazing, you know, um, I, I think we have a reputation of having uh, a lot of young people, and I think, um, I think that's, that's awesome. We've got um, every, every make and model. I mean, it's just, it's awesome to see, man. It's awesome to see. I can't wait to be with you guys in heaven and seeing all the people together. And all. I mean, it just it blows my mind. Amen? I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but... Uh, a lot of new visitors, a lot of, a lot of new faces here this morning. Again, if I didn't get a chance to meet you, I would love to. My name is Casey, uh, one of the pastors of the church. Thank you, Helen, for, for listening to what God says and not, you know, not, not falling into the temptation. Well, you know, I've done this and done that because you, you have done, you've got experience in the ministry, experience in church building and church starting and all that kind of stuff that none of us have. And yet you said, God's not done with me yet. Wow. Wow. See, this is what it means to, to be thinking not, not about just me, right? I mean, there are a lot of church, a lot of Christians that say they don't need the church. There are a lot of Christians that say, oh, I, me and Jesus are tight. I'm cool with him. I just don't need to, be the, need to have anything to do with the church. I mean, think about it. It's a bunch of hypocrites, and they're all about money, and they're all about this and all about that. And I understand where you're coming from because I've had those same concerns about the American church myself. But here's the thing. The scriptures say something different. It's different. God, Christ himself, right? Now, I love Jesus. I love the fact that, and, and for me, I'm kind of a skeptic. And we've had some, some of our youth that are in the middle school, especially, that were questioning how we know the Bible to be true, how we know that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that kind of thing. And I'm fascinated by that because that is my story. I doubted and doubted and doubted until God said, okay, bud, why don't you go check it out for yourself rather than go spewing off like, well, you know, all religions lead to heaven and all are basically the same thing and it's all the same God. And here's God, here's God saying, hey, bro, why don't you go check that out to make sure you're not telling somebody the wrong thing. So I did. And what I found out was absolutely stunning. I looked at all the different religions that I could find and I wasn't trying to find out whether or not the the, the, what they all believed. I wasn't trying to compare this belief to that belief or how old this is or how old that is or whether something predates Christianity or not. What I was trying to find out is there evidence of God in any of these things. And here's what I found. Looked at Islam. Looked at Buddhism. Looked at Confucianism. Looked at Taoism and New Age and all the different religions that I could possibly... Phelan Gong, even the weird... Uh, you know, like far out religions, uh, like stuff like, like, like I think it's Phelan Gong that has, you know, like God's in your navel kind of stuff, you know, that that's what they believe, right? There's this wheel there that's it, and that's where it all starts, and they have something with like worship umbilical cords and stuff. I'm like, it's bizarre. 
looked at Mormonism, looked at all the different things, and I looked at Christianity, not trying to compare the beliefs, but trying to find out whether or not there is any evidence of God in any of them. Because what I hear is that God is a loving God. What I hear is that God wants you to know. And what I hear is that if he, so if God's a loving God, he wouldn't just send us out here and say, hey, you guys figure it out for yourself. And what I found out was that the Bible is absolutely stunningly accurate. Like it has hundreds of predictions or prophecies about a coming Messiah named, and Jesus fulfilled absolutely every one of those. From where he would be born to how he would die, his hands and feet would be pierced, he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Guys, that don't just happen. And Jesus fulfilled them all. Wow. And some people, and Jesus said a lot of things that said for us to be the kind of followers that he said. He said things like, this is how they, the world, will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. So if he said all that stuff with the credibility coming into the world the way he did, and if that wasn't enough, that he rose from the freaking dead. That is ridiculous. That's ridiculous to show us. Muhammad didn't do that. Buddha didn't do that. Confucius didn't do that. None of them cats did it but Jesus. And he says, this is how they'll know you're my disciples. Not how much you know, but that you love one another. One of the things I love about people that come into our church is that they look at us and they're like, you guys, like, yeah, you're loving and friendly and you greet and all that kind of stuff, but you guys really like each other. Like, you dig being around. It's, it's like, like, you guys are... You guys are weird, man, and I love that because that's the greatest compliment because we're showing people what it means to be a family to the best of our ability, and I'm going to talk about how ways that we can step into that even more today when we start talking about we being greater than me. I want to start off first by talking a little bit about, because we've had a lot of new visitors over the last month, and I'll give you some exact numbers here in just a little bit, but if you don't know, we are a church that has several visions, and the way we vi- got the vision of the church is that we sat down as an elder team and said, okay, listen, God, what do you want? Who do you want us to be? What kind of church are you telling us we need to be? What part of your kingdom are you asking us to be a part of? And these are the things he let us know. First off, and we call these the 2020 vision, because by 2020, we want this to be just who we are, and we're going to start speaking and acting and preaching and teaching and living these ways first off we are a church where everyone is known and everyone knows that they are known that's one of the reasons why we have our sign-up sheets i'm going to tell you about those in just a little bit so if you have a sign-up sheet if you would take them pass them down the down the down the row sign your name to it i'll explain here in just a second the why of what we do here in just let just a little bit but we do want you to be known we want you to know your we want to know your name we want you to know that we know your name and that we are family if you have a if you're a first-time visitor and you have a connect card somebody hold up a connect card i got one out here if you don't have it fill out a connect card if you're a first-time visitor or i have had several people this morning say i am not serving yet how do i get involved man check that out if you've got prayers dave rawls is head of our care team he will help you with prayers uh mitch and paula cunningham raise your hands right there if you're a first-time guest they will meet you in this back corner give your connect card to them they will give they have a gift for you but we want to make sure we we know people we know their names you know that you were known see because that's how honestly that's how as we grow we're going to be larger and smaller at the same time 
two years ago when we started our church in 2015, our average attendance was 134, I think it was. Last year, it was 178. This year, today, we're probably going to eclipse the 240 people. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. What is it? 242? 242? Crazy, man. Crazy. We, we, we broke a record last week. That's a new record. That's insane. And I'm not, it's not about numbers, man, but every number that we count, every person that we count is someone that God created in his image. And so for whatever reason, God is trusting us with his people. And so as we grow, we want to make sure that we grow in, in, in like we are smaller and larger at the same time. We know people's needs. We know people's wants. We can have a, like, a, like, like Dave is going to pray for you every week. You put down the prayer request, it is prayed for. Uh, Mitch and Paula Cunningham and the part of the Connect team, they're going to help us get like folks connected and serving in the church. Everybody needs to know where God wants them. Amen? Like what, what part of the kingdom do we need uh, people to know? Uh, people to be like, what, what part does God want us to be in? See, here's what we, like we're talking about uh, sign-up sheets. Here's what we found out over the last month. You guys remember the Rest of God series that we did, and we're talking about the biblical Sabbath and what it means to actually take a rest the way God said for us to take a rest. In that time, just these sheets alone, we had 30 first-time visitors. Isn't that awesome? That's fantastic. I've had people say, how do you guys get people to come? I said, we don't do door knockers. We don't do phone calls. We don't do marketing blitzes. We don't do any of that stuff. You guys invite people. It's amazing. And I commend you for that. That's wonderful. It's great to see people come into the kingdom. That's why we're starting to see people like radically transform into a believer of Jesus. That's why David and Chloe and, and, and like we just have lots of people that have gotten, we've had 15 baptisms this year so far people just coming to know the lord but it is not because we're doing something worldly it's because we're fasting and we're praying and we're loving like like we tr genuinely show people what it means to be a disciple of jesus christ which i'll talk about in a second of those sign-up sheets just up here we have had 245 adults or people that signed up the sheets so there may have been some kids in that too that came at least once during that month and with children, we've had about 300 total people come at least one time during the last four full weeks. Guys, that's amazing. And it's wonderful to see. And I love to see folks like Leota, folks like Helen, folks like Sherry, folks like uh, David, folks like that were here three years ago to see this building shut down. And to see what, they, I just love to see their faces. And every time I see it, they're like, God is good. Wow. Another vision we have is that we are a church, and I was kind of alluded to it a little bit. We're a church who makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. It is never David or Chloe getting dunked, putting them in a Bible study, putting them in a youth ministry. It is about, guys, God loves you. We'll take you no matter where you're at. We'll take you as jacked up as you are. It doesn't really matter. But we honestly love you enough to tell you and to show you that you don't need to stay that way. We will help you to grow in the Lord. Like, 
Like the whole idea of being a disciple is not to put somebody in a Bible study. And we have Bible studies. We got one Monday night that's about to wrap up here in a couple weeks. We got another one starting on Monday nights that's going to go through like the apologetics and how we know God to be real and legit. This week, this Wednesday, we actually have uh, another Bible study that's going to take us deeper into what we're talking about on Sunday mornings. We're going to do that for the next six. Guys, it's, it's awesome to do that. But it is never about learning. It is never about increasing and not is about doing something with what we know amen like it is what jesus said in matthew 28 he said yes make disciples go into all the nations make disciples baptize them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit david and chloe welcome to the family but he also said and teach them to obey everything i've commanded you to do it is an important piece of it can i get an amen on that Third vision that God laid on us, that we are a church where the community is better off because we are in it, and the community knows it. We don't just go spread mulch. We don't just go do those kinds of things. Like We genuinely go and seek the lost, what he like, seek his kingdom. I have a, personally have a, a weekly prayer meeting with Mayor Don, and we pray for the city, pray for the economy, pray for the citizens, pray for the different things, pray for the families, pray for the different staff that's in in, at, at the city of Edgerton, we had prayer walks this weekend. The Littles were in the first service. They organized a prayer walk to go pray around Edgerton Elementary. We're having a, a jump into spring activity, which is going to be awesome on April night. Palm Sunday, we're going to have bounce houses and cookouts and stuff. And I'm not going to be fasting at the time, so I'm going to chow down, baby. <laughs> Woo, I'm about, to eat. I'm about to eat this podium right here, you know. Fourth vision, that we're an extremely generous church. We've got to be thinking outside of ourselves. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, if you recall, about three weeks ago or so, we gave to the mission field. We gave every bit between this campus and the Shawnee campus, every bit of our offering for that week, for that weekend, or for that entire week, all of it went to the mission field. Between sixteen and seventeen thousand dollars went to the mission field. It went to go plant churches. It went to went to, to uh, organizations that went to the went to other mission. I mean, it was awesome. It went out. We didn't spend a dime of it here at this facility or that facility for any of the expenses. March, like we do that, and um, man, it is it is it is important that we do generosity God's way. We have this series called "We Greater Than Me." And I'll talk a little bit more about some of the things that we're doing, but uh, keep put on your calendars March 31st and April 1st. We're having something called a journey of generosity, and it's Friday evening and Saturday morning where we go dive deeply into what it means to be a generous member of a family of God. And it is awesome. Uh, a lot of the leadership have gone through it, went through it a few months ago, and it is life-changing. So if you want to know, get really deep into what it means to be generous. And we're not just talking about going and handing money to people. We're not just talking about that. But I'm talking about, like, what does it look like for us as believers in Jesus when our feet hit the floor, the devil shakes in his boots and goes, oh, no, there's another generous guy coming. Oh, man, what would it look like? Guys, what would it look like? Oh, another generous Christian. Oh, no, what are we going to do? They're gonna, people are going to know Jesus because of this person. Can't wait. How do we step into that? How do we see ourselves as, as just part of his bigger picture, his family? 
we were going to call it others greater than me. And, and it sounded like grammatically better than we greater than me. But here's the deal. When we start talking about others, that gives the impression like, yeah, we've got to just reach the community. We've got to take care of one another here too. Like it's both. And I'll explain that. Amen? Like it, it's both. So I'll talk about that here in, in just a little bit. So that's why we called it we greater than me. Like it's, it's we. So when we go reach, we, our, our idea is to reach people and bring them into the kingdom. We want people saved. We want people to grow. We want to make disciples. Paul, who was, a, who was a, a, a killer of Christians after Jesus was resurrected, he, he was going around from actually from house to house and persecuting Christians, throwing them in jail, murdering Christians. If you, if you read uh, the, the whole idea, the whole account of Stephen, the first deacon in, in the book of Acts, it is a, a wild thing. But Paul was there giving nodding approval to the murder of our brother who died 2,000 years ago, right? And so Paul, who, was a, who was, came to know Jesus on the road to Damascus and was confronted by Jesus himself, and he said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me, right? See, I can relate to Paul because I used to persecute Christians. In college, I used to make fun of. Me and my homies would gather around people coming out of church and make fun of them. Say, oh, did you sing your little songs today? How's your little Bible? See, that's me. I'm a jacked up, messed up dude. Until God, until Jesus, who came in the flesh as God, confronted me as well. Not quite like he did Paul, but confronted me nonetheless. And Paul wrote to the church in Rome, in Romans 12. And if you read Romans, it's chapters 1 through 11. It's all about, look, we're one body. You are, not, you are part of a bigger picture. It's, it's like we are all united. And in 12, verse uh, 1 in, ver, in chapter 12, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your, listen, say it with me, bodies, that's, Plural, correct? That's plural. Offer your body, your body, your body, your body, your body. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So all of us together offering our bodies, plural, as a singular living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and, true and proper worship. Now, that's amazing. Now, so you hear people say, well, I'll just sit there and I'll, I'll watch Andy Stanley on TV or Joel Osteen on TV or somebody else on TV. I'll watch Benny Hinn, man. I love him a lot. Man, T.D. Jakes, he's the bomb, right? I don't need to go to church. I don't need the church. I don't need, like me and Jesus are tight. And this is like, this is not your true and proper worship if you're acting like that. You ever know, like, I've been that way, so I understand that, right? So it's, it's not a matter of getting on to the people, like, I'm preaching to the choir, but we know people like that, and we can help them through that. We can disciple people through that, amen? It is our true and proper act of worship. See, there are lots of things that, that Jesus said, but, but God ultimately is glorified by a unified body of believers. You can fill out your blanks and on your bulletins, or you can... Fill it out on your app. By the way, download the app. It's, it's awesome. You can do all kinds of stuff on it. When Jesus steps into the world as God and tabernacles with us, he starts his ministry on the Sermon on the Mount. I've talked about this for the last month because I'm just fascinated by what he said. Because Jesus dropped some truth bombs on people right off the bat. He didn't play around. I mean, there were, there were teachers and, and experts and religious people who condemned people all the time. Anybody ever been condemned by a religious person? Oh, you're wearing jeans to church? You're going to go straight to hell, right? 
Oh, you're wearing a, you, you ain't reading the King James Version of the Bible. Oh, you going oh, you had a glass of wine, I see. Oh, you're divorced, I see. Oh. I've heard it a lot, right? And in the middle of that, Jesus steps up on the Sermon on the Mount and he says, This is how you pray. Our Father. Not my Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And he said some things as Christians, as followers of him, that just outline the characteristics of who we are. He's not commanding us to do these things. He's saying this is who you are. This is what we do when you pray. Everybody knows Christians ought to pray, right? When you fast, Casey Morford's about to eat the monitor back there. He's been fasting two weeks now, is that right? Dude, looking slender, baby. But it's not about a diet, is it? It's about getting to know God more. God, what do you want? So when my hunger pops in, like a God that reminds me, it's an amazing thing. And there's amazing interest. There's an intimacy you cannot fathom until you fast. When you fast and when you give, prayer, fasting, giving, these are just who we, this is just who we are. And so for us that say, oh, shoot, man, I can't live. Oh, man, I got to, oh, I ain't got time. I ain't got money. I ain't got this. I ain't got that. And it's never about a zero-sum game. It's about honoring and loving and following a God that is, that is a cattle on a thousand hills. Jesus was tested by these very same Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and teachers of the law that he, 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 he dropped the bombs on on the Sermon on the Mount later in Matthew. One of them tested him with a question, and it wasn't, wasn't necessarily a question like, I want to know, teacher. It's like, I'm trying to trip you up. Like, for, like they kept trying to, to get Jesus to slip up. And they asked him a question. They said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, if he had said, well, I'm the author of life, so I think probably murder, do not murder, something like that probably ranks the highest, right? Also oh, stealing, also oh, adultery, also oh, coveting, also oh, lying is not as important. Oh, okay, I see how it is. But Jesus replied something that blows minds still today. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, everything you have. Start there. Love God with all you got. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. It's in this original language, like these two go together. They're paired together. They're like peas and carrots, like Forrest Gump says, right? You cannot say, you can't have one without the other. And you can't have the other without the one. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all the, this is, man, this, this blows my mind. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if you love God with everything you have and you love your neighbor as yourself, you're in the will of God. Wow. See, there are four phases of love here that, that, that I love to talk about because it's, because it's like when we become a Christian for the first time or before we come to know God, our natural self, and this kind of love is natural. This is self-love. This is the love that, 
that is natural. Like, you, like we've got babies in the house, right? And when they get hungry, like they're crying, when they get poopy diapers, they're crying. It's me, 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 help me, help me, right? This is what we're naturally born with. I don't see a lot of newborns going out and helping their neighbor. They just ain't equipped yet, right? But when we come to know God, when we come to know God, there is a, it, it goes from self-love. And, and self-love is not, not just necessarily just the, like the, the, our instincts. Sometimes it's like I have been told that i got to look out for myself. i got to look out for number one. i got to take care of me, 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 right? But when you get saved and you realize that the God of the universe who sent his one and only son, the most generous gift that anybody could ever think of, we, start have, we have a love of God for what he can do for you, for us. Like, God, you saved me from hell. God, you've provided for me. God, you have protected me. God, that is amazing. God, you, you actually create oxygen so that I can breathe. You actually, like, like my, you, you make my heart beat, my blood through, flow through my veins. That's incredible. And then you step into the third phase of love it you love god for who he is the alpha and the omega the name above all names the 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 king above all kings the one where every knee will bow and for some of us we think that's the epitome of love but it's not according to jesus final phase the mature phase of love is a love of god and a love of others as jesus said godly generosity is a natural result of our love for god and love for others it's just what we do amen paul also wrote to the church in corinth and he wrote a letter that we know today as first corinthians and he wrote it to a church and i do not want to trash the bride of christ don't hear me say this but when you want to see the state of the american church read first corinthians and it is eerie how we have fallen into this whole thing like, oh, no matter what you believe, it's okay. And no matter if you're, as long as you're comfortable. And they were trying to make people happy and bringing pa- pagan rituals into the church and all this kind of stuff. And it was awesome and everybody was so cool. And Paul's like, man, you guys are jacked up. Hey, they even had somebody, some dude sleeping with his own mama in 1 Corinthians. I always think of Jimmy Kimmel. It's like, ew. Everybody say, ill. Ill. I love our church, man. (laughs) Corinthian church didn't repent, so a second letter was written that is now lost. And apparently it was not very nice. And Paul wrote the letter, and we referenced the letter, and what we have is actually the third letter, but we call it 2 Corinthians And apparently the church had repented in a lot of ways to the glory of God. And there was a famine in Jerusalem and a drought, and there were lots of Christians there being persecuted. So the church got together and pledged resources to this church to help out their fellow brothers and sisters. I'm going to read this chapter of 2 Corinthians. It is awesome. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. For I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling, that since, telling them that since last year you and Achaia, I was corrected about that this morning, were ready to give 
and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action, but I am sending the brothers in order that your that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Don't make me a liar, Corinthian church. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift, the generous gift, the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reach, will, will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your, everybody say that, we're with me. Man, it's right back to the Sermon on the Mount if you have these things in your heart. But have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Come on, you got to tithe. No, you get to. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. It's not just about the resources. It's not just about the dollars. It's about the heart. Where the treasure is, the heart is also. Because of the service by which you have, prov- who have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else and in their prayers for you. Their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And all God's people in the house said, Amen. We will go into this deeper on Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock. For anybody that wants to be there, we will answer questions. We will talk. We will dissect the scriptures wherever it leads us. I love to see people coming to know the Lord. I'm an evangelist at heart. But I love to see more people grow in the Lord in every way, in their obedience, including the obedience of generosity, including their love. I don't lose a lot of sleep over finances. I don't lose a lot of sleep over whether or not we've got enough people to do all the things that we're doing. I don't lose sleep. Oh, do we need to do another service or whatever we need to do? I'm not, I don't lose sleep over that. But I lose sleep over potentially is that if we ever lost our love, for one another, for God. Man, I would, I'd be a mess. 
invite you into this obedience, into this next step of generosity for each of us individually and collectively as a body, no matter where that leads. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you. Uh, thank you so much for the, the generous gift of your son. We are still amazed at the fact that you sent your one and only son. Like you said, here's what he's going to look like. You did it 300 plus times in the Old Testament. You said, this is what he's going to look like. This is where he's going to be born. This is how he's going to die. His hands and feet are going to be pierced. He's going to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He's going to ride into Jerusalem on a colt. And he's going to rise from the grave. And he did it all. Father, your son did it all for us. The most generous gift for us. And we still sometimes shake our head like, why do you want to do that, God? It is because of your love, because you loved us first. And may we show your love to others in the church, bring others to the church, reach out to those in love, to those who were lost. Yes, Lord. May we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves the way you've commanded and be in your will. It is in your son's awesome and amazing and beautiful name. All God's people in the house said, amen.